The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. On leaving the synagogue, Jesus entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Simon's mother-in-law lay sick with a fever. They immediately told him about her. He approached, grasped her hand, and helped her up. Then the fever left her, and she waited on them. When it was evening, after sunset, they brought to him all who were ill or possessed by demons. The whole town was gathered at the door. He cured many who were sick with various diseases, and he drove out many demons, not permitting them to speak because they knew him. Rising very early before dawn, he left and went off to a deserted place where he prayed. Simon and those who were with him pursued him, and on finding him said, Everyone is looking for you. He told them, Let us go on to the nearby villages, that I may preach there also. For this purpose have I come. So he went into their synagogues, preaching and driving out demons throughout the whole of Galilee. The Gospel of the Lord. strange thing happened just a moment ago. In the midst of first reading, we heard it conclude, my days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle. They come to an end without hope. Remember that my life is like the wind. I shall not see happiness again. And all of you responded, thanks be to God. That's strange, huh? How is it Then in a response to a reading where Job is lamenting, I stay up at night and I'm restless and I can't go to sleep. The night just drags on and on and on and I'm waiting for the day. And my entire life is like that the same. Every day I go, (laughs) I'm like someone who goes to work and I just wait for the day to end so I can get my wage and go home. And yet the day long toils. (laughs) I have no hope. There is no more happiness. How is it that we can say, thanks be to God, in response to this? The response initially is to call to mind the words of St. Augustine, the great doctor of the early church, who reminded us that if ever we hear the word of God and our heart is not lifted up, we have heard it wrongly. In other words, every proclamation of the sacred scriptures is something that necessarily ought to lift up our spirits. And if it doesn't, then we missed the actual message that was contained therein. Even in the darkest places of Scripture, such as that of the passage that we just read from from Job, all of these places are places in which the good news is present. So what is the good news? I'd say there are three things in particular that we can point to as good news in the reading from Job. First, God is not phased by our darkness. He's not afraid of the difficulties of this life. Sometimes one might think that that we we can only draw close to our Lord when we kind of clean up our act and get our stuff together. And then when we are ready, then when we are holy enough, then we are good enough, then the Lord might like us enough. We'll stay distant until that time. 
another manifestation of the same, the same kind of reticence of heart to come to our Lord in the messiness is a sense that very easy it is for us when we go to pray to be able to, to turn to those beautiful and pious and flowery prayers of the church that are indeed beautiful and helpful for us. But sometimes they're used as a facade to hide the darkness of our hearts. We can be afraid sometimes to allow our Lord into the places where there is doubt, where there is fear, where there is anger, maybe even hatred, where there are all these things that are not necessarily the pleasing things. We present to our Lord in our prayer the nice stuff, the clean stuff, the presentable and pious stuff. Indeed, when we go to pray, we must approach our blessed Lord with fear and trembling, as the scriptures would tell us, that are, in other words, with reverence and awe, they being the exact same. But in the midst of our reverence and awe for the Lord, there must also be honesty. If we go to our Lord with simple words of praise, but do not address the darkness of our own lives, we do not do Him a disservice, we do ourselves one. We do not allow our blessed Lord, who came to be with us, who comes to heal the brokenhearted, we do not allow him to come close to our hearts. So the good news that we find here is this willingness of God to come to us in our darkness. Thanks be to God. The second thing in which we can rejoice here is that there is always hope. Again, we can look at the words of Job, and we can look and see that he he seems totally hopeless, that there is no hope, that there there is no happiness. There's nothing really to look forward to. And yet, we know the end of the story of Job, that there is hope. In the story of Job... The book concludes that Job's, the Job, his first, his last condition was better than his first. The way he ended up was better than the way he started. So we can recognize that at least in the story of Job, that there is something of hope to be present there. But this is not always an easy thing. Sometimes our prayers are answered when we turn to the Lord. And in those times, it's easy for us to continue to be lifted up in, in, in hope. When our Lord responds to our pleas, it's easy, to some degree, to believe lifted up in the Spirit, to say, you know what? God is with me. This makes sense, because we can see sometimes the reality of God working, and that can encourage us. But sometimes we have to face the mystery that even in the midst of our darkness, even then when the times when it seems like our Lord does not respond to our pleas, when the answer seems to be silence to our prayers, to recognize that even in this place, there is still hope. These are great mysteries for us to have to wrestle with. Every human heart has to deal with it. The problem of pain, the problem of suffering. How is it that good people endure bad things? If God is good, why this? And so many questions the human heart may wonder. It is to recognize that in every darkness there is hope because there is Christ. The simple fact is that hope doesn't mean that uh, everything gets easy. 
We recognize that Job, at the end of his life, even though the book can say his last days were better than his first, and his first were rather, were rather blessed, is to say that his last days were excellent and, and truly blessed. But it doesn't mean it doesn't take away the fact that he lost all of his children in the meantime. It's not as if in the meantime he kind of looks back and goes, you know what? It's okay. This is good. This is fine, right? You know, it was worth it, knowing that all of his children had died. No. He still bore the pain of that, certainly. He still had to wrestle with that mystery of how is it that these things can happen and to seek to align himself with the will of God, to trust in the will of God, to hope in the will of God. And able to do these things, our Lord continues to respond. Sometimes our hope is given blessing and we see the fruits of it in this life. Again, sometimes our prayers are answered. The things we would desire to see or trust in the Lord that we will see will happen. But sometimes they won't. And it's for us to be willing to accept these things, to embrace them, to trust in Him, and to know that in the end, God will bring good from all things. That sounds like a nice, pious expression, but it's the truth. Even in the places where it doesn't make sense in the least little bit, there's still the truth. If God can bring forth from the death of his son the greatest gift of the world, indeed he can use all things. It doesn't make those things good, but God can bring grace from all things. And so in every situation, there is always hope. Thanks be to God. And lastly, the last thing is the fact that God is far beyond us. The scriptures elsewhere tell us that my thoughts are not your thoughts, my ways are not your ways. Our blessed Lord is far beyond our understanding. Even in eternity, we will have all eternity to seek to draw close to him. And in all eternity, we will still be infinitely distant from him in our understanding of who he actually is in himself. God is far beyond us. Sometimes we would expect certain things to happen in a situation. Job would expect certain things of the Lord to respond in the midst of his prayers. Job was indeed a righteous man in many ways. And so it would seem that God would necessarily respond and reward him. Right? The world today loves the prosperity gospel. If you do good, you'll get good. And that's not always the case. And yet, our Lord is with us. His plans are not things that we can always anticipate. We see this also hinted at in the gospel. That our blessed Lord, he comes and, he's, and the people are gathered around the house. They're all, you know, everybody's coming in. And you would immediately think, well, good, he's going to stay here. He's, the, the people, they're still alive. They're, you know, they're still, there's still people coming. And obviously, these people have needs. And that's what the apostles are essentially saying when they go find him, Lord, everyone's looking for you. They're lined up at the house again, Lord. Go back and continue doing what you were doing, in other words. The expectation that he would. And you can imagine the confusion for the disciples and the frustration, especially of those who had gathered around the house again. He's not coming back. 
but he should come back. Doesn't he want to heal us? Doesn't he want to cast out our demons? Doesn't he want to watch over us? Doesn't he want to show us his mercy? How easy it is for expect certain things to unfold, or indeed that they must be a certain way. And yet sometimes this is not how God works. Here too, it's a great mystery. But to know that always there is something much greater at work than we ourselves are able to see. It'll be one of the greatest marvels and heavenly joy to be able to see the ways in which God has fulfilled and worked out his plan of salvation for us throughout time and history. How incredibly complex the salvation of every individual soul is, reliant upon millions of seemingly, uh, seemingly meaningless events, all of them with a single goal of uniting us to the heart of the Father. God is indeed planning something great. If we limit our expectations of what God can do, should do, must do, or any of these other ways that we place expectations upon him, how easy it is for us to miss what he is actually doing. If I am focused only on this one thing where I expect God to do this one thing, then all the other stuff on the peripheries around it, where God may be acting in great power and great clarity, I will very easily be blind to, mindless of, simply unable to accept because I do not expect it. Indeed, as we come to these things, all of this is to recognize that God's mind, though often confusing for us and frustrating to us, is far beyond us. Thanks be to God. This is why we can come and read this reading from Job that seems to be all darkness. And I find in it encouragement. It seems to be hopelessness, and yet find in it a message of hope. That God is not afraid of us. That God is not afraid to come and enter into the mess and the stuff of our life. If we are willing to be honest with him, to open our hearts to him, he will come to us. Indeed, he comes to heal the brokenhearted. His plan is far beyond our understanding. It's for us simply to open our hearts to him, to be willing to receive him, to say yes to his will, and to follow.